This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The word linkage reminds me of sausage. Never cared much for the links, preferred the patties. But breakfast is a real good idea. If you don't mind, I will begin at the beginning. It's a new day. Let's get going. One, two, three. Bad boy! Four, five, six. B-I-G! I am nothing without my following. I am nothing without my following. I want to say to everybody that's been reporting me... Think twice because you're ruining my life. Because I make all of my money outside. All of it. <laughs> and I don't want to lose that. And I know people like to see me be down and be like them and be like the 90 percenters, the people that work nine to five. That is not me. I have no job qualifications. I could never work a normal job. <laughs> I am worthless. I have I bring nothing to the table. Zero. And now. Yo, that's your problem. You, our feature presentation. Morning, everybody. Brand new Kevin and Bean Show. It is Monday morning, the 15th of April. Kids. Kids. Bean. Mm-hmm. When is it appropriate to wear a tank top in general? <laughs> like, what are the... Let's name all of the places where it's appropriate to show up in a tank top. I'll allow the beach. I will allow beach. Okay. I will allow pool. All right. And that's it. Coachella. It's very specific, but sure, I'll get sure. it. Sure, tank top at Coachella Music mm-hmm. Festival, I think yeah. it's okay. Yeah. Winnie Roast, right? Outdoor co- outdoor concert, I'll even give you. Okay. Um, barbecue at Griffith Park? <laughs> Again, very, very specific. Are we just listing every event that exists? I'm just trying to think of places where it would be okay to wear a tank top. I think uh, outdoors, anything we're talking about, like a barbecue, a concert, that type of thing. I'll outdoors. say I'll throw water park into the mm-hmm. mix. Oh, sure. Right. Nice. Sure. How about on an airplane? Oh, no. No. Don't do that. Uh-uh. Never, ever, ever, mm-hmm. right? No. no. How about on the Kevin and Bean show at K-Rock? I mean, No. It's not, that is, I'm too close to your underarm pity hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. pity hair now? Yeah, pity hair. <laughs> feel bad that almost, Yeah, that almost makes it sound cute, though, because I think of a pit bull and like, oh, look at that pity pit. Or I thought you meant like, Mr. 305. <laughs> <laughs> now, um, Ruben, who is, uh, there's a, a senior assistance program that K-Rock is involved with, where we give really, really old people who don't have any family left, yeah. we give them something to do a few hours a week. Just so they're not just sitting around the old folks. He's home. 79, right. he, he's but he does a pretty not, good job. He's, mm-hmm. he's in his 30s. Guys, well, I mean, now that, disagree. now that he's wearing a tank top, I feel like you could actually literally count the rings on him and oh. see that he's over 100. <laughs> uh, but what's, I mean, is it, uh, forgive me for not uh, checking the weather, but is it 115 out there this morning? Is I mean, that why? It's not. No, it's no. kind of cold, actually. Yeah, it's chilly, like upper 60s. That's a strange choice, I gotta say. Yeah, what's he yeah. doing? I don't know. Now, Kevin, you were big into tank tops 
in the early days. Wouldn't say big. I just didn't care. But yeah. then once I started seeing pictures of myself, I was like, okay, <laughs> when, when is it right for me to wear a tank top? Right. Never. Okay. None of the above mentioned, that. nothing. So we're talking yeah. like 80s, 90s. Yeah. It was yeah, a different yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. late 80s, yeah. early 90s, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I made a lot of bad decisions. Yeah. yeah. You don't wear it in this culture. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. They had a whole episode of I'm Sorry where Andrea Savage's husband had a tank top. I love that one. And then I'm not going to give any spoilers, but let's just say it was a long con. <laughs> just watch season two. It mm. is It is a delight. Well, I'm sorry you had to see it, Bean. I can tell yeah. it's really it's. I feel terrible up. for you guys. I haven't seen it yet. There, so. Yeah, yeah. Ruben's in a tank top. Kevin. Should we have him come in? Yep, yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah. Ruben, please. He come probably in. can't hear me. Can you? Can you invite him in? Uh, yeah, Ruben. Oh, wait. Hey, Ruben, are you there? Come in and bring your tank top. Oh no, <laughs> he's, he's wrapped up in a blanket. <laughs> okay, it's, it's not. It's not. Yeah, it's cold. Oh, it's because you're wearing half really? a shirt. Winter is here. It's <laughs> always cold. Nice Game of Thrones reference. Unbelievable. <laughs> what is happening? What's you normally the... wear a normal shirt. What are you doing today? What are you doing? It's a long weekend. Uh-huh. Are you a lifeguard? <laughs> that's, I think that's one of Muggo's side hustles. You're also wearing shorts. Ah, uh, man. Can so... I take a stab at what happened? Yes, please yeah. do. I feel like you maybe were driving in late from Coachella and thought, okay, I can either go to K-Rock like this or head home. Uh, you, decided, you decided to come here, right? We, we came straight here. Me and me and Muggs, we enjoyed on Sunday night uh-huh. mm-hmm. and uh, straight from the festival grounds. Mm-hmm. We went back to the Coachella house, gathered yeah. our belongings, okay. and then drove straight here. I got to tell you, Ruben was uh, on fire this weekend. Yeah. Like, I, went, I went to the K-Rock house, and he's wandering around, like, giving people shots. And wow. Ruben, all right. He was, he was losing it. Um, you mentioned Muggs. Is he also in a tank top? Muggs has a... Full on t shirt, I think, today. Mm. Oh, okay. 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 A normal t shirt. Wow. Right. Sorry, Ruben it's, it's it was a late night. Very... Okay. Huh. How drunk so, are you right now? No, I'm not drunk. I was actually completely sober Sunday. Okay. Sunday. Yeah. So you literally drove from the Coachella Festival to work this morning. That's right. And you then up all night. And I have another question. So you're wearing that tank top without being drunk? You can't even blame <laughs> it on that? <laughs> sober? So you guys, sober you picked that. So you guys know that I normally wear like a hoodie. Every yes. morning, and a, right? and a hat. There's a lot of difference. Yeah. The hat got ruined this week. There's dust. <laughs> There's I'm dirt everywhere. You, this is a hat. different side yeah. of Ruben that I've ever so, seen. It's pretty wild. I'm Here he's you. so quiet what? and reserved what? and yeah. helpful, and now nah, he gets out there. He went crazy. Party, Ruben. Now was um, was Coachella on your bucket list, Ruben? Is that why? <laughs> uh, are you going to be skydiving next? No, it's because he was also at Woodstock. So yeah. he's, now he's been at all of them. Unbelievable. Oh, I think Muggs is rubbing off on me. Oh, oh no. no. Whatever you two do it's... in your own time is up to you. So. <laughs> Everything's going to be before and after Coachella for Ruben. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you know, I actually feel a little bit better because Ruben didn't wake up in his own bed this morning and then go, I'm going to freak the world out by wearing a tank top to work. <laughs> There's a reasonable explanation that this is what he wore all weekend long and he just came directly from the festival. Mm-hmm. My, right, so my my sweatshirt got stolen too. So. <laughs> wow! I told you guys, man, this guy he was crazy this weekend. And then I, then I woke up in a porta potty. <laughs> hey, Muggs, you would do a shot? <laughs> Muggs is like, oh no, I think I've had it. Come on, Muggs! Hands wow. in the shot. Wow, Ruben. <laughs>
We've seen a whole different side of the old man. It was a good weekend. What can the I say? The old man was partying. Sounds like it. All right, Ruben, you are uh, you are forgiven and you are excused, my friend. Thank you for coming in. Thank you for having me. Someone please take a picture in the back of this sad shawl he's wearing. Yeah, it's not, is that a blanket? Yeah. It's an actual blanket. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Okay. Let's talk about today's Kevin Abisho show. <laughs> get the headphones back. Because I guarantee you, none of you would f***ing lost my shoes. She's right, by the way. We wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, Danny Goldberg will join us yeah. in the studio. Mm. Uh, manager of Nirvana has written a book called Serving the Servant. Boy, that Kurt Cobain was a complicated dude. He has a duality of all artists. Yep. Very, very much what you think he is, but then also very media savvy. Very odd. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some uh, highlights from Coachella. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to uh, fill Ruben in on what he missed <laughs> <laughs> or doesn't remember. I just can't believe that was the same guy that we've been working with uh, all this I'm time. telling you, he's so low-key here. Yeah. But wow. there, man, he was yeah. just a party animal. Desert Ruben is something else. Yep. Uh, the woman who wants to be the fattest woman in the world. Oh. That's usually something you try to stay away from. That's her goal. Huh. Uh, your dog is racist. Yes. We're talking about that today. Oh, we heard from a bunch of people over the weekend. <laughs> same same deal as me. Their dog is racist. And it just makes no sense. <laughs> there he is now. It's uh, Monday, so it's great news on the program today. And uh, we've got tickets for April Foolishness as well. We're going to be looking for a guy walks into a bar jokes. Mm-hmm. A little bit later on this morning. We'll take a break. We'll come back with what's happening next. It's the Kevin and Bean Show. K-Rock. Miss Ellen McKay. Bean Baxter. How was your weekend? It was really good. Thank you for asking. Do anything fun? I watched the um, new Star Wars trailer 846 times. Um, other than that, no time. I knew that made you so happy. Oh, it made man. us all so happy. Yeah. Oh, man. Seeing, uh, seeing General Organa hugging. Oh, I I watched it. Uh, the first time I watched it was with uh, Dave and Christine in the office because we mm-hmm. were in our meeting when it came out. I'm not on my phone during the meeting all that much. So Please. I didn't know it had just come out. <laughs> you so. text me every single day during the meeting. <laughs> <laughs> so the meeting ends, everybody's gone, and, and Dave goes, you want to watch it? I'm like, yeah, I do. So we're watching it, and as soon as I hear the first notes of what is the song that wakes me up every single morning. Mm-hmm. Love Shack? Leia's theme. No, 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 no. It's uh, Princess Leia's theme. Mm-hmm. I just started welling up. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did. I welled up a little bit like a baby. I was like, we can't hear the trailer. What yeah. are you doing? Yeah. I'm just saying. It's Woo. a good trailer. Yeah. The rise of, of Skywalker, by the way, everybody. Which then everybody everybody launched into, well, who's a Skywalker? It's got to be Ray, right? Well, wait a minute. Kylo Ren, his mom's a Skywalker, too. What if it's neither of them? Oh, I mean, we're going to be doing this until December 20th, right? Yeah. And how Ooh. come, and, and I know, you know, the expression, but how come... Billy Ray, uh, Billy Ray, Billy Ray, Billy D. Williams has not aged one minute yeah. since the last time he was in a Star Wars movie. He looks amazing. He's he looks not cool. I'll say exactly that. Exactly the yeah. same. He's amazing. It's cold yeah. forty-five. Is that what yeah. it is? Yeah, malt liquor. Yeah, he, just, he drinks it and rubs it on his face. Maybe. Yeah, he, he <laughs> yeah. Did this a long time ago. Yeah, I'm just saying, it looks fantastic. And yeah. if you haven't watched it, there are of course scenes with Princess Leia, General. And it's her because they're using footage that they didn't use from 2015's The Force Awakens, which 
Thank you, J.J. Abrams, for doing that and not going the CGI route, which I didn't think he would, Mm -hmm. but it was just just nice to hear that, which is fantastic. Which brings me to more Star Wars news, you guys. Of course, they announced that at Star Wars Celebration in Chicago on Friday. But the head of Lucasfilm, President Kathleen Kennedy, said it's a nice time to take a pause. It's not only the perfect time, it's exactly what we had in mind. So after Rise of Skywalker, which will be on December 20th, that's going to conclude the 42-year-old Skywalker saga that George Lucas started with the original 1977 Star Wars. They're taking a pause on the Star Wars movies for quite some time. Wait, how much is quite some time it's for years i think really yeah and i think that's that's a great great thing um kennedy confirmed that game of thrones creator david benioff and db weiss are meeting with her to start talking about where they're going to go for the next decade and the last jedi director ryan johnson has been hired to helm a new original trilogy but neither is expected anytime soon all right but of course we have the mandalorian which will be premiering on Disney Plus People streaming People are very service. excited about that trailer. Yeah, I think I think we're going to be good for a little bit. Take a take a break. Take a breather, right? Who's with me? I'm okay with it. Okay. Good. Speaking of uh, DB and David from uh, Game of Thrones, they're mm-hmm. the showrunners for that show. Mm-hmm. Um, did you guys happen to see the Game of Thrones piece on 60 Minutes last night? Am I did 90? Not. No. <laughs> I'll go ask Ruben. Go ask yeah. Ruben. Yeah. <laughs> Give me a full <laughs> recap. <laughs> First of all, it was a great episode because it included uh, the Warriors. It had a, a phenomenal Warriors piece. Um, oh, come out and play? Uh, nope. The uh, Golden State Warriors. Oh. oh. But, which, Kevin, you will, you'll love that. But second of all, the Game of Thrones thing, because I don't know anything about Game of Thrones, as you know. Everybody was trying to make a movie out of Game of Thrones. They kept going to George R.R. R. Martin when the books were out and they were so popular. And they said, let us make a movie. But he didn't want them to do it because he knew they were going to cut out a bunch of stuff, right? All the TV networks wanted to do Game of Thrones, and he didn't want them to do it because he knew that they were going to cut out all the sex and most of the violence. So these two guys that you mentioned, Dave and DB, they go to him and go, we have zero experience doing anything. We have never worked on a television show before, but we have a vision to bring this to television, and we're going to pitch it to HBO with your blessing. No way. That's crazy. Yes. The Balls. And he said yes? And he said yes. That's crazy. Wow. And they, had, they had never done it before. And they're the guys who've shepherded it through all the seasons up to the this one, the final season. I mean, That's it, really impressive. That wow. is, uh, yeah, it's a crazy, crazy showbiz story, but it worked out for everybody. So anyway, I just, sorry to bite your time there, but I just oh, thought please. that was so interesting when I learned that about them. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure Kevin didn't see any movies this weekend. He was very not. busy out of Coachella, but Shazam... Tops the box office again with another $25 million in its second weekend, bringing the domestic haul up to $95 million. Worldwide, $259 million. All right. Not bad for a little movie called Shazam. Right? Yep. It's, good it's nice to see great things happen to Shaquille O'Neal, you know? He's retired a long time mm. now. Well, no, that's... Uh, it's back Zach- in show business, it's great. It's Zachary Levi. Very different. We just talked to him last week about it. Remember? Oh, that's right. Yeah, no big deal. Uh, coming in number two, Little, which is the comedy starring Regina Hall, where she becomes Little. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to say it. Those previews, the trailer, hysterical. 
I can't wait to see this movie. They they shrink I've not her even down. Heard of it. It's like it's Freaky Friday, okay. right? It's big. Yeah, it's big in reverse. Except okay. she's this awful boss, and then this little girl that's like on a tour of the company says, "I wish you were little." And then all of a sudden, she wakes up the next day, and she's a little girl. So it looks really good. Issa Rae's in it, who I love from Insecure. Anywho, that came in at number two. Coming in at number three, Woof, hmm? Hellboy, twelve million. Ooh. Yeah, those uh, reviews, not good. Yeesh. That is, that's not a, a great opening for Hellboy. And apparently not a great movie. Yeesh. No. Coming in number four, Pet Cemetery with 10 million and Dumbo rounding out the top five. Bean, what does it all mean? Taylor Tell Swift. Me. Oh. That countdown clock, right? Yeah, for real. Yeah, she started teasing something big by posting vague hints, having fans believe their sub- seventh studio album is on the way. And we now know, or do we, that it will arrive on April 26th at midnight on Saturday. She posted an Instagram story of a stylized countdown clock, which she's also put on her website. The clock ends, you guessed it, April 26th. Or maybe she knows something we don't. She's looking forward to foolishness. Is what <laughs> oh, that yeah. tells me. Oh, that is right. Yeah. Thank you, Taylor. Uh-huh. You guys weren't going to tell me she's a special guest and she's well, going to come out in April Foolish this? Right. It was a surprise. Oh, yeah. I figured now is as good a time as any. She's been working on a tight 20. She's uh, she's big into countdown clocks. She does that in her personal life, too. She puts things she's looking forward to on her phone. Do you, uh, did clock. you sync up your watch with it? What do you mean? Oh, yeah. Hold on. What a be- She puts things she's looking forward to in a countdown clock? On her phone, yes. Um, so this what is a nerd. Like, like. Maybe you put something that's happening in October, like countdown yeah. to Christmas. Yeah, on your... well, she does it for like brunch, you know. But anyway, my point is that we don't know whether it's an album. We don't know whether it's a single. We don't know what it is. But... <laughs> he didn't catch that I put that on my countdown clock. <laughs> the countdown to Christmas for Hallmark movies. <laughs> you actually did, didn't you? <laughs> I did. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm excited. Whatever okay. it is, I'm excited, I'm, I'm I'm excited for you because you love her. And I, I think only uh, good things happen when... You love people. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you sure? I wasn't at Coachella. Was Not there? sure. <laughs> agree. Agree. You expose a tank top. <laughs> yes. That'd be amazing. Some birthdays for you guys. Emma Thompson, Emma Watson, Linda Perry, Maisie Williams, and Seth Rogen. And that's what's happening. It's the Kevin and Bean Show. K-Rock. I know you uh, were out of Coachella, Kevin. You were not transfixed to CBS as the rest of the nation was yesterday. I but did is- see a few Instagrams and stuff and just mm-hmm. flew past them. <laughs> look, it's, it's golf. Look, I know. And I feel the same way you do. But In it's fact, golf. Remember, uh, remember President Bartlett when he said, Okay, well, golf's not a sport. It's fine, don't get me wrong, but let's not you and I confuse it with things that men do. I mean, <laughs> that, that, he's not wrong. It, if Ruben can do it, it's not a sport, <laughs> right? But uh, people are calling it the greatest comeback in sports history. Tiger Woods, kids, has not won a major tournament since 2008. He won the U.S. Open in 2008. Has Loser, not won the Masters. Right? What? Hmm? Loser. Right? right. Has not won the Masters in 14 years. So since 2005, he has not won the Masters. This dude, and forgive me if this is going to be in the piece you're going to play, Kevin. This dude has been through so much physically. He has had knee surgery and four back surgeries. There have been times where he could barely walk. And the fact that he came back and played golf at this level is pretty astonishing. Even if you're not that impressed by golf, 
It's a crazy, crazy comeback. Yeah, you need your back. You got to put your back into it. I would think so. Back into yeah. it, right? And that's not even getting into the 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 the, uh, the mental comeback that he had as a result of all those self-inflicted wounds with everything that he went through. I, I, I mean, know we're going to listen to some newscasts on it, but I think I got I think I got some hot take Jones on this. All right? Oh yeah, yeah. Do you want to hear it now? Yeah. <laughs> what was the dramatic pause? No, because I got to warm up. Oh, okay. All right, well, let's hear a little news, right. and then we'll hear your hot okay, take, good. because this is a little bit of how the how the coverage has been. Father, son, and an unforgettable embrace. Almost the same spot as his hug with Dad Earl 22 years ago. To have my kids there, um, it's, it's come full circle. You know, my, my dad was here in, in 97, and now I'm the dad with, uh, with two kids there. And this was the perfect spot to chase redemption. Tiger knew it wouldn't come easily, but patiently and almost inevitably, he crafted his attack. By the 18th, he knew, as did the huge galleries, that the green jacket was his. The return to glory. When I tapped the putt in, I, I don't know what I did, but I, I know I screamed. There was presidential approval too. Love people who are great under pressure. What a fantastic life comeback for a really great guy, said Donald Trump. And this from Barack Obama. Congratulations, Tiger, to come back and win the Masters after all the highs and lows is a testament to excellence, grit and determination. First of all, I hate the Brits and their accents. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Bad news for you. Second of all, who wins a tur- who wins a golf tournament and hears from two presidents? That's yeah, that is odd. That's kind of crazy, yeah. right? And what right, a lousy prize it is. You just get a jacket. <laughs> well, no, you also Ooh, get like a couple million green. dollars. No, there's what? a lot of cash involved in oh, it as I didn't well. Know. Okay. Um, we never thought we'd see this again. Right. He's 43 years old. And he won the Masters yesterday. My mm-hmm. question is, is he, now that he has the monkey off of his back, is he now in a place physically and mentally where now he's going to go on another tear and win a bunch more tournaments? Or is this a fluke? Do you think he's back back? I mean, if you play well enough back to win back. the Masters, I feel like I feel like you can win anything, right? He did say, I mean, I did hear an interview where they asked him if he expected to win it again. Mm-hmm. And his answer was, yeah, which was yeah. kind of a cool answer because he was like, I didn't think it was going to be this one. But he said that his skill it, it has his skills have shown a lot of progress over the last few months, mm-hmm. and yeah. he thought he was on track. So, yes, I don't think he thought he was good for just this weekend. I think he thinks he's kind of he's back bad. in the game. Yeah. Well, it was uh, it was pretty remarkable. I talked to one of my neighbors yesterday who cried when he saw okay. it, and I saw a lot of okay. that on social media. There All were right. actually okay, I'm warming up. I'm there warming were up. Actually, people who <laughs> I'm were almost weeping. there. He said it made him feel like he was back in high school the last time he saw Tiger win. You know, win the Masters. Okay, he, I'm back. Here's okay. the thing. Here's All right, the hot thing. Take. What do you got? Here's the thing. We could have helped him much earlier. We- I, I feel like I, everyone likes to come back, so I understand that. But are we all pretending that, like, the entire pop culture universe did an S on him for years and years and years because he had obvious mental issues and one of the biggest falls in sports history? Right. I mean, I get the surgeries are awesome, but, like, this was a talk show joke for a very long time that we all could have maybe lessened up on. Uh, He recently had that DUI not that long ago, and I know that people sort of at that time, like, backed off him, like, oh, Tiger Woods is in some trouble. But I don't know. I mean, could we have maybe celebrated him earlier I, when uh, earlier i like mean over yeah. the last few years i just feel like he be, he was a punchline for a really long time he was. and i'm just surprised by i just think that's true of anyone famous for anything i don't
don't know. Everyone I don't has people, to deal with it. I don't think I and I I don't want to make these comparisons, but like I don't think people are excited for say like Charlie Sheen's comeback or any of the Me Too people's comebacks. Like I don't mean like rapists. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying like people who've had weird experiences with women. Like I, I'm just surprised. Well, he did cheat on his wife with multiple porn stars. And it was just a very. I, I'm a big Tiger Woods fan. I think everyone also goes through highs and lows of their life, and who's to judge, and etc. Right. But I just don't. I think it's weird that we push people down so low, and then when they come up, we all pretend like no one was involved in the part that made him, like, kind that of made have his life so much worse for so many years. Mental breakdown. Yeah, I think I think it has a lot to do with the nostalgia factor that people saw Tiger winning and it took them back to where they were in 97 where they were a frame of mind it was this great time and that was totally the deal with my neighbor that's Absolutely. what it was it was nostalgia and you you it becomes a selfish thing as you're watching it because you're thinking about yourself yeah while you're watching well if it. I was Tiger Woods I'd be like I've been here the whole time like I've been hoping yeah, but he people... wasn't really on a on a path of redemption at any point. He kept screwing up and kept screwing up and kept screwing up, and people got sick of watching their their star fall lower and I lower. Guess. I just think that might be a little chicken and egg because if you if we celebrated him earlier, could he have made the change? Because I do think but after what the would DUI, you have people celebrated. Did, well, I think if you. That he I'm, was trying, you mean? What is it? Sorry? You celebrate that he was trying, yes, you mean? Yes, yes. I think that it's chicken. Uh, like, I'm saying, like, if we had celebrated his trying before, would he have had an, a quicker time getting to that I'm point? I'm not sure that's our job. But I don't know get, if our, help him get to that I guess, but our point, job you know is to mean? push him down so far with the I'm not line. pushing him anywhere because it's golf and I don't care. <laughs> so you but, think, Jensen, you, yeah. think that you think there were probably plenty of people who were heaping praise on him and being excited for him and happy for him that if we looked in their timeline a year ago would still have been essing on him. Possibly. Probably. And also, like, if it made you cry, which I'm, uh, that's great for you and your emotions, but, like, that's, that's a very, that's... That's uh, that's high praise. And, and I guess well, if you feel that way, we I, I just am surprised. I'm surprised to hear so much goodwill to Tiger Woods because I feel like we never gave it to him over the past 10 years. Well, America but he has winners. It. We love winners. Right. He that's hasn't the, really. That's the odd feeling. He hasn't really deserved it for the last 10 years. He's trying. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. of course. Yeah. Everyone so tries. What do you but... mean by trying? Because he was in some tournaments? A lot of tournaments. Yeah. I mean, he's been playing for a few years now. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I guess. I'm just, I guess I'm just surprised to see that everyone was rooting for him. Does that make it? Does that make because sense? Because you don't think I everyone think they was. were. You thought people had written him off, yeah, or just sort of been like, "Oh, that dude's a scumbag," or something along those lines. I still say it's nostalgia. I still say Maybe. it's a selfish thing that we're rooting for ourselves and the old us that has become so off. I mean, listen, if you <laughs> <laughs> this is really quite a metaphor for Allie. Uh but yeah, I mean, I guess uh, that means it's a hot take. I get it. Well, it did. Uh, it did remind me. I know we got to take a quick break here, but I mean, the, the first thing that I thought of was re you may be too young for this, Jensen, but when George Foreman came back and won the heavyweight crown, and he was like eighty. I don't yeah. know what he was, but the he, guy was with really, the grill? he was really, he was really old. The guy with the grill. What yeah, did he, do? he boxed. He, Shut he used to be boxing. Did you know that? Yeah, no way. He, he, yes. he was years years removed from his last heavyweight title and he came back as a very old boxer and won the crown again. That's kind of what this reminded me. Like you thought you'd never see him at the top again. Yeah. And he did it. Bean, I don't mean to crush your soul, but a lot of people think that fight was fixed. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Most people do, actually. It's Kevin and Bean! K.U. Rock. K.R.O.Q. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, 
You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. So, Kevin, mm-hmm. I see the kind of shape that Ruben and Beer Mugger in. Right. But you seem fresh as a daisy. After well, I mean, a weekend at Coachella. I didn't stay last night and drive in this morning. Mm. Okay. And I've always uh, thought that if I'm doing something fun on the weekend, I can't come in and complain for being tired. Mm-hmm. Because I did it. Because I wanted to do it. Because you wanted to do it. Well, it was you, a good time. You, you do not sound like a guy who spent the weekend at Coachella. But Thank tell you. us how it was. I loved <laughs> it. I loved it. I really loved well, it. What's your I, favorite weekend of the year? I know that. It did not disappoint? Uh, correct. And I was talking to somebody backstage, and he was like, uh, I don't understand why everybody complains about the lineup. And I said, me either. You, Like, I literally used to put together all of these acts, and you get the Coachella app, and they give you a 15-minute warning, hey, so-and-so, and you can pick which ones you want to get, uh, you know, an alert for. Mm-hmm. And so you can tell exactly where everybody is and when they're going on, and you just completely lose track, and you move, you're seeing something else, and you see that, you don't look at it. So it does... I think it's so much fun because it's live music everywhere. And just because I don't know them doesn't mean it's not going to be a blast. So you just wander. Yes. Did you take my advice and at least dip into Casey Musgraves? I mean, technically, I wasn't on the grounds at that second. Damn you to hell. But I did see a video of her that I tweeted to you where she said, Callie, can I get a yeehaw? And I was like, nope, (laughs) not for me. I think happy not to be there at that moment because I would have gone, boo! He hates yeehaws. Yeehaw. Come on now. Are you still there? He's He's gone. You made him leave. leave. You made him leave. What a bummer. Although if you watch the video, she says, when I say ye, you say ha. Ye ha. But but at one point. I think it's her flub. It's her flub. As a a former rapper, I will tell you. She puts the mic out and they all yell ha. And she goes, I didn't say F and ye. Well, no, you put the mic out to do a call. (gasps) Yeah, she did it wrong. What are you doing? By the way, a common mistake amongst hip hop MCs. Yeah. This is to to give the mic out at the top, right? Instead of the back, and then yeah. it makes for a very weird thing where you go, "Yay!" Away, right? Yay! Away from the mic, and then everyone's like, "Wait, am I supposed to say huh?" And I saw Billie Eilish, and she was awesome. Oh, and there was some there was some type of like you know the uh, the festival hipsters that don't really care about the music at all. And it was pretty they're, crowded for yeah, Billie Eilish. They're there for the clothing and the, yeah. and the Instagram pictures and yeah, whatever. People were there for Billie, though. For the, yeah, a lot were. But yeah. like some of them, I heard some of them talking, were like, I don't even know who this is. Oh, I don't know why it's so crowded. And it was, that sucked. But uh, And then she was late, 25 minutes or a half hour, because of the staging. They couldn't figure out how to get the staging set. It wasn't hmm. her fault. But when she came out, I thought she was great. 
I, I saw a bunch of it too on the stream, and she was great, first of all. And it's rem- it's amazing. You do have to remind yourself she's only seventeen, and yeah. she has not been performing live for very long. Uh, yeah, I mean, she's going to be a headliner. There's no question about yeah. that. She's only going to get bigger. And the thing that happened on Sunday with Billie Eilish is oh. the thing that everybody is talking about. Allie, I know it made your heart swell three sizes. It made me so happy because we've talked about this. You guys talked about it with Billie Eilish, right? We, ha- we have a clip of us talking to her about her first love, mm. Justin Bieber. Justin Bieber, right? <laughs> Obviously, but but anybody could say that, right? Because I feel like everybody had a Justin Bieber phase when they are like 12 or something. Sure. <laughs> and so when I say that, it doesn't sound as as serious as it it really was and my mom is in the room and she can literally vouch for it which is that when i was like 12 it wasn't i was not a fan of him i was a i was it was i was like that was like my first love like that was the person i was in love with in my head he was in love with me it was like a relationship with a person you know when you like you date somebody for a while and they're you, that's that's your partner, and yeah. then mm-hmm. you break up with them. And if you see a picture of them without really thinking, you automatically are like, "Oh, that's that person I was in a relationship with." That's how mm-hmm. you feel about Justin Bieber. That's how I feel about Justin. Billie Bieber. Eilish oh, might on. be psychotic, which is totally <laughs> fine. I'm just like, no, but feel or felt. This is still feel or felt. I'm not in a relationship with him. No, duh, I know, but it's you're like, the one that thought you were. By the way, <laughs> yeah. 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 No, but, in the duh relationship, but we I'm might saying, be able to say I'm it to you. I'm saying that it, it wasn't like a weird. Thing no, totally not. Definitely like, not. <laughs> so there was video that I woke up to this morning that made me so happy. You see Justin Bieber, and he's got a little, uh, like, a breathing mask type thing on. This is during Ar- Ariana Grande? Yes, Ariana Grande is performing. Mm-hmm. You see Justin Bieber looking over at this young lady. That young lady is Billie Eilish. You see her eyes nearly pop out of her head. And then she doubles over, like... Get it together, Billy. Get it together. <laughs> Just it, this is him. You're finally going to meet him. And then she pops back up and then she hugs him and you would think they hadn't seen each other in decades yeah. and just this beautiful hug haven't. well he's <laughs> never seen her but um it was lovely to see she met her idol yeah. somebody she's loved forever now somebody must have clued him into hey billy Eilish is in love with you will you go say I hi assume to her that happened somebody a while back this, right? oh, he knew of oh, yeah, of course I yeah assume. she's been on ellen talking about it yeah. she he's That's well sweet. aware yeah that was a sweet moment and by the way um I mean, I think we would all feel that way if we met somebody that we felt that way that she feels about Justin. Yeah, sure. But plus being a 17-year-old girl, can you imagine what that meant no. to her? Can you imagine? Amazing. All started here, guys. The Kevin and Bean show. <laughs> I'm there not sure go. that's true. Well, it is. I, I think it all started uh, when she was 12 and had a crush on <laughs> yes. him. Okay, well, we were um, there, too. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, I uh, we lost my signal, yeah. I'm sure, on purpose uh, yep. a few, couple minutes ago. Did you talk about Weezer? Not I did yet. not, no. Just real quick, let's hit Weezer because... And you and you tweeted this out that you've seen them a bunch of times and they're never they never disappoint. They're always, every single time, love it. They're always great. Yep. And they could they could not have been more fun. That was such an unbelievable set. And to have actual Chili from TLC come out and sing No Scrubs with them was a stroke of genius, right? Yep. And then to have the, the Tears for Fears guys, Kurt Smith. Well, just Kurt. Kurt just Smith. Kurt. I mean, yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah. the mic didn't work, so that made it less good. <laughs> when they were doing Everybody Wants to Rule the World, yeah. Uh-huh. I uh, couldn't hear him. Sing. Still great I effort, though. I, yeah, I agree. Uh, it was a great show, but I'm just saying, whoever was in charge of the guest mics for the entire festival for all weekend, having a hard time. Really? Yeah. They probably don't rehearse the guests, maybe, and then when they come but out... a lot of them, their mics weren't on. Yeah, that's a problem. So it happened to Billy Eilish? That is she... a good cameo. 
I feel like the Ariana Grande one that everyone's talking about today is not a good cameo because everyone's like, in sync in Ariana Grande. And I was like, oh, so she got Chris Kirkpatrick, Joey Fatone, Lance Bass, and JC Jose. Wow, how'd she do that? Did she ask them? (laughs) (laughs) But she also had Nicki Minaj. She had P. Diddy. She had Mace. Good Mm -hmm. ones. Those are good ones. I think uh, they had mic issues as well. I'm telling you, whoever yeah. was in charge it of this, it was a real S show for the guest <laughs> mic. Everybody, everybody sounded great. I thought, except for the guests, <laughs> who wow. you couldn't hear. Well, you're going back next year. It was a great. Of course, it's my you're favorite. Going back weekend. next weekend. I you might. Me? I might actually. That's for It's the Kevin and Bean Show. K Rock. Everybody has to have a dream, right? Sure. So plus size, plus 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 size model, Monica, weighed 700 pounds. <laughs> Oh. 700 pounds. That's a lot. It's not thin. <laughs> Weighing 700 pounds, mm-hmm. supersized model Monica is morbidly obese, but she's got no plans to lose weight. The ultimate goal is to be 1,000 pounds. <laughs> Wait. She's 700. She, the ultimate goal, if she can pull it off, is to gain 300 more pounds. That's really hard to do, I would imagine. I would think so, to too. Gain 300 pounds. She's the Tiger Woods of eating. <laughs> you're doubting her, but if she does it, we should celebrate her. To be able to take up an entire seat like this one. She's in a couch, by the way, not a seat. She right. wants to take up the whole thing. I'd want to be the fattest woman in the world and become immobile. And become Immobile. Oh oh, That's her is, goal. Get her to a psychiatrist. This is very sad. It turns good though, Allie. Oh. Hold, please. On an average day, I'd probably eat between six and eight thousand calories a day. The twenty-seven-year-old has the assistance of boyfriend Sydney. Can you help me? She has a boyfriend. Wait, is that when it turns good to you? No. Oh, okay. Wait, did she say six to eight thousand? Yes. Yeah. But then it was more like ten thousand. Yeah, I was gonna say I thought it'd be yeah. more. I mean, I think she started with six days. Listen, we're in, a, we're in a pregnant household right now. I'm, <laughs> this is this seems kind of normal. But anyway, move on. To see Monica getting bigger just makes me feel proud because she's achieving what she wants to do. <laughs> I mean, of course, I'm not complaining. I've been into you know fat girls ever since I was. I've been into girls. Right now, we are going to make a weight gain shake. A weight gain shake. Oh huh. my gosh! For seven hundred pounder. Basically, I take strawberry pop tarts. Heavy cream, ice cream, and 2% milk. Just blend it all together. I want that guy as my boyfriend. I was going to say, Kevin, how much did that interest you? <laughs> that really that good shape. relationship goals. Hey, guys, um, uh, why 2% milk? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You think you go with whole milk? But I'm not yes. sure. All right, he continues. Helping Monica pile on even more pounds, Sydney often funnel feeds her. Uh, funnel feeds her. Uh, funnel feeds. So a giant funnel that goes down into a tube that she sucks on, and he's pouring a whole pitcher of stuff. They beer bong food. Yes. Look, oh, look, look. I'm I'm happy that they found each other. Mm-hmm. But we need an intervention here. I'm with Allie. This is still sad. Hold, please. Um, okay. I started funnel feeding when I met Sid. Sid encourages me because you know it's my goal. And he wants to help me reach my goal. All right, babe, you ready to funnel? All right, you got to let me know when you've had enough, okay? All right, so she's sucking on the tube, and then she's getting near the end of the entire picture. (laughs) Could be. Um, And he whispers, I believe in you. Oh, my God. (laughs) What the heck? Come on, you can do it. He's the most disturbing part of this piece. Agreed. At one point in my life, yes, I did want to be the biggest woman in the world. All right, this is where it turns. Okay. okay. I wanted to be immobile. 
But now that I'm pregnant. What? What? It's kind of been what? a wake up call. I'm oh. sorry, what? Whoa. What? She got now that she's pregnant. What? Now that she's pregnant. Oh. Now I gotta say, this is gonna be disgusting, but it's real. She takes she unzips her pants and she pulls her entire belly out. And at the very bottom of it is her belly button. So I'm not positive. How, how this works. worked biologically. Oh, man. Right. So that's the good part? She got pregnant and uh-huh. she reconsidered everything and decided no longer did she want to be a thousand pounds. Okay. So, okay. Yes. I thought she just didn't want to, uh, she wasn't going to be immobile anymore. Well, I mean, that's also her goal because she's going to have a kid. I found out about 14 weeks ago, roughly, that I was pregnant. The reason why I do want to lose weight is to be able to be active with my child, you know, be able to get up and play with them and pick up after them. Yeah, you can't do that if you're immobile. I mean, that's a good point. It's hard so, to argue that. So no more funnel feeding. No more funnel feeding. What are they doing now? Are they jumping jacks? <laughs> I'm hoping to find out today. That the Just, baby's healthy. Yeah, that the baby's healthy. That's all we ask for. Mm-hmm. That's all we ask for. Well, the baby's Listen, you're got, funnel feeding. The baby's got plenty of room to move around. I'll tell you yeah. that. Listen. The baby is living in the biggest mansion ever for an unborn um, child. Bunch of nutrients. Yeah, no. I, I watched This Is Us, and that was a big uh, byline. The whole show was about her trying to get pregnant, and they wanted her to lose weight because it's so unhealthy. Right for somebody at that weight. And I think the woman on This Is Us is about 400 pounds thinner than her. The baby looks okay and the baby's moving a lot. This is the doctor. So hopefully everything's well. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Oh, so she's going to have a kid. Wow. And I just, I feel like probably the ending of that story that we don't know yet mm-hmm. is that she starts losing weight mm-hmm. and then the boyfriend goes, adios. No, he takes his funnel with him. I'm taking my funnel to someone else who appreciates it. Yeah, that's what he's looking for, man. You're losing his king. Kevin Bean on K-Rock. K-R-O-Q. It's Monday morning. There's plenty of bad news in the world. This time every week, we bring you great news. When you wake up, all you hear is bad news. So bad it makes you want to hit the snooze. Kevin and Bean can make that go away. It's time for Great News Today. Great News! My story starts uh, with Dr. Ramon Risa. At the age of two, he was given up to a family in California's Central Valley who already had 14 children. Oh, oh. my God. How do, and how did he become a doctor at age two? No, he wasn't a doctor at age two. <laughs> that's, that's the most remarkable part of the story. <laughs> at the age of three, he began picking cotton to help support his adopted family. While he was a doctor? He's not a doctor yet. <laughs> oh, He pushed through all of those obstacles and graduated and became a doctor. And that's the great news. Now, this audio might not sound great news-ish through the middle. Right. But at the end, it turns and it is great news. Dr. Ramon Reza was the keynote speaker at the Cesar Chavez Legacy Awards tonight. At the age of three, Dr. Reza began picking cotton to help support his adopted family. He pushed through all obstacles and graduated from UCI Medical School. Dr. Reza is the subject of a documentary called Ramon Rising. He says his family experienced medical nightmares, including his mother's husband. Her husband had an accident at the farm, um, hit his head. He went to the emergency room on Christmas Eve, 
They told him there's nothing wrong with him, go back to work. So he died of a brain hemorrhage. My aunt Helen had breast cancer. She went to go see a doctor. She said they treated her like dirt. She'd rather die. She went home, she died. Oh. So I thought... Okay, I mean, so far, not great. Seriously, no. Kevin. But he's seeing this happen. Well, what am I doing in college? I should go to be a doctor. My people need a doctor. So that was my inspiration. Dr. Reza treats the children of migrant farm workers in the Central Valley where he grew up. He also travels the country inspiring young people to reach for their dreams. I mean, that's pretty cool that he watched people like himself get treated horribly and he never saw a Latino doctor ever. Mm -hmm. So he's like, I'm going to be a doctor and I'm going to go back to that exact location and help people. Wow. Yeah, I would say that turned around. Yes, yes thank you. Technically, it's great news. And that's my great news. It is weird, though, at the age of two that you could become a doctor. Uh, that's not, uh, maybe I read right? that wrong. And I also feel like his parents are hoarders. They collected kids. I mean, yeah. that is 14. That's... And sure, they already had 14 and they said, oh, let's get the two-year-old doctor. Let's have him too. He's not a two-year-old doctor. That's what I heard. He's a doctor now. <laughs> All right, you guys. My story um, was a viral post that people just really latched onto. It's a teacher named Jessie Caton, and she's an eighth grade English teacher that put up something that she had seen on message boards and thought, oh, I'm going to try this in my class. Here's what it is. It is basically a... Um, like a board that you make and you say, I'm great, I'm okay, I'm meh, I'm struggling, I'm not doing great. So all of these different levels of mental health right. checkpoints. And what students do at the beginning of the week is they write their name on the back of a sticky note and then they put up wherever they're feeling. So are they okay? Are they meh? Are they struggling? And it's a great check-in to see how your students are doing. Turns out, after this got like 70,000 hits, the woman that actually created this spoke up. She's like, hey, my name's Erin Castillo. I created this, and here's why. Which, this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. But she said, first and foremost, my job is to build relationships with students. As human beings, we're much more open towards people who we know care about us. So if I want my students to listen to me, they need to know that I care about them and have their best interests at heart. So she sees this at the beginning of the week, checks it after they leave for the day, and then she checks in with those students wow. throughout the week. Like, what's going on? Let's talk about this. Why are you feeling this way? That's Why are amazing. you struggling? Which is fascinating because it's really bringing her students closer and closer to her. And here's the part that I thought was just wonderful. She said, I'd love to see this in every classroom. There's something more to this than just hanging a poster. Teachers have to have a discussion surrounding the topic of mental health. We have to explain to students that it's okay to not be okay all the time. And as teachers, we have to model how we cope with hard times, which is something wow. that I don't think I ever thought of that my teachers were even thinking about when I was a kid. Well, that's so, because when when you were a kid, Allie, we had doctors and we had counselors at schools, and they've eliminated all of those, and now teachers, God bless them, have to do everything. And that's why teachers get paid so well. Oh, that's right. Right. But it's, it's a, a fascinating way, to, and so easy just to check in with your students on how they're feeling, and they don't tell all the other students in the class, oh, I'm struggling. Their name is just on the back of that little sticky note. So I think it's just a wonderful idea. And that is my great news. I think we need to get a poster like that here at work. I don't think you want that. <laughs> <laughs>
And uh, finally, last Wednesday, a story right here in Southern California out of Santa Ana became a national story when Adrian Salgado, who is a gardener in Santa Ana, went in to pick up a check for some work he had done at a family's home. And while he was inside, thieves stole his Toyota pickup truck, which had his cell phone in it, all of his landscaping equipment, and $1,000 of rent money, which he had saved up. Oh, man. He came out of the house, saw the truck being taken away, chased the man on foot. They drove off. He went home. He told his daughter what happened. She called 911. Well, the officers were able to track down the truck using uh, the Find My iPhone app. And they found it. Interesting. However, all the stuff was missing out of it. And the two suspects that were with the truck each had $500 cash in their pockets, but they said it was their own money. So they couldn't prove that it was the dude's thousand bucks, even though they had stolen his truck. Yeah, you both have... Exactly $500 a piece? Yes. yes. Right? <laughs> I, uh, you see how the police sometimes feel that their hands are tied because it was clearly the stolen money, right? So he had everything stolen. They got the truck back, but no lawnmower, no edger, no hand tools, leaf blower was all gone. So what the police decided to do was take up a collection. They said, you know what? This guy looks like our father, and I, I, he has no way to support himself now. So the police put together $1,000, $500 from the Santa Ana police that were investigating the, the, the theft, and then the Santa Ana Police Officers Association t- chipped in the other $500, and they took him to Home Depot so he could start rebuilding his business by wow. buying stuff that he needed. Awesome. Home Depot chipped in another 100 bucks. They also gave a military discount on <laughs> all on, the purchases. Come on, Home Depot. <laughs> Step that up a bit. Right? Why not head over to Lowe's, see what they're They gave him $11. <laughs> they also gave a military discount on all all of the purchases because several of the officers are reservists. One shopper asked what was going on and when told she donated another 40 bucks. So he able was able to kind of get back up on his feet. I mean, he still doesn't have rent money, but I'm saying he did get, he was able to get at least started back on his landscaping business, right? Wow. After he got home from Home Depot with the truck and the new stuff, he went right back out to work, by the way, because he still had more jobs to do that day. But uh, I mean, it's not the happiest ending in the world. But it's a good start and very, very kind people there at the Santa Ana Police Department. They absolutely deserve the love today here on K-Rock. And that's my great news. The Kevin and Bean Show on K-Rock. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune in to the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So uh, one day last week, Thursday or Friday, I randomly brought up that I had a racist dog. How did we get on the topic? Do you remember, Allie? Uh, Because I did a story about how dogs, a study found that dogs are the best sensors of whether someone's a good person or a bad person. There you go. Yeah. And I said that may be true, but I think dogs can also be racist. And I I think they can be trained that way, Bean. 
I didn't have anything to do with it. Just Look, saying. This was my dog, Santa's little helper, and she would bark at all black people. And I don't know why. She was very white, by the way. Santa's little helper may, I mean, I'm, clearly she was racist. That's but a she given, was also yeah. a super white dog. <laughs> the whitest dog ever? She was very white. But you say it was Aryan? <laughs> I, I, I think you could fairly say that she was Aryan. Wait, only though? Only black people, yes. What? And, and I'm telling you that it wasn't, and I don't understand why it was. I mean, now granted, I lived in Seattle at the time, so she didn't have a lot of exposure to African Americans because it's the you know one of the whitest cities in the North, North America. Right. Why you moved but there? When, why you went there? Sure. When we did come across an African American person, even on the street, even when she was in the car, just in you know in the passenger seat, looking out the window, and we drive by a black dude. She just started howling her head off. There was just some, something. There she is now. It was the weirdest thing, and I could never under. I, she never had a bad experience with a black person. And before you ask, that must have been so embarrassing. Of course, <laughs> yes, of course. Your because, dog. Yeah, because one minute you're walking and she's just so sweet and so cute, and the next minute, you know, you're you're you know you're an attack dog. There, people start looking around for the fire hoses. You know, of course, it was terrible. Jeez. So uh, I I brought that up. And then we started hearing from all sorts of other people, yeah. like Caesar, who tweeted at me, Hey, Bean, I was listening to today's podcast, and I heard you mention that you had a racist dog. Well, you're not alone. I once had a roommate that was an African-American, super nice dude. Honestly, until this day, I don't know why my dog Zoe always barked at the guy every time she saw him. Ever since he moved out, I've never seen her bark at anyone like that. This makes That's, no sense to me. It makes no sense at all to me either. That's from Caesar. Here's from Michael. You're not alone. My 115-pound ex-girlfriend took my 100-pound pit mix on a walk in L.A. while I was out running errands. Found out that Zoe... Oh, it's another dog named Zoe, by the way. Hmm. The dog was racist. Only went after black people on their walk. And Zoe was black. Is this black on black crime? My girlfriend literally came home and told me that my dog was racist. What's, so what's happening? Going, what's going on here, you guys? I mean, I don't even know how that's possible. I think I, this is common, guys. What? But, but I've heard how? this. We've heard but this why? a lot. Okay, but how and why? I don't know. I don't know. But it's I think such that there a will weird be, thing. I think if we take calls eventually, we'll hear from people that are both owners of racist dogs, but also people who like. I think there's black people out there who just go, "Yeah, dogs weirdly bark at us more," and I don't know why. Well, let's. Let's get some people on the phone. 1-800-520-1067 if you have a, a racist dog like Bean. Um, or a racist, uh, you've had an experience with a racist yeah. dog. Sure. We, You're like on the other end of Bean. Right. No, I, I, I could have said that better. It was one <laughs> 1-800-520-1067. That's the number. Allie, you heard from somebody as well who had a racist dog. Listen, I could not wait to open this email. Um, I couldn't <laughs> open it quick enough. Because the subject line is, my St. Bernard is a racist bitch. I was like, okay, <laughs> all right, Aaron. So Aaron goes on to detail that she has a St. Bernard, loves getting pe belly rubs, affectionate, everything, great around white people, Hispanic people, until she put an ad in on Craigslist for free dirt. And one of the guys that showed up was an African-American man with dreadlocks. Mm -hmm. And she said her dog went straight Cujo, trying to get through the window what at the? this guy. She thought the dog was going to break the window, just oh totally freaked out. Um, she couldn't figure out what was going on with the dog, and she never acted like that again until a good friend of hers that she has known for 20 years, also African-American, came over, and the dog 
lost its mind. She said, my dog is an effing racist and I don't know why. I've been telling people ever since that my dog is racist. No one seems to believe me, so I feel you, Bean. And then she goes, P.S., here's a photo of the racist bitch. And it's just the cutest dog just That's sitting on a chair. An incredible bitch. It's a very funny email, so thank um, you, Aaron, it's for a, that. People don't believe you because... It sounds crazy. It sounds crazy. Yeah. What yeah. was she doing with all the free dirt? Why yeah, well, I mean, we should really dirt. investigate that. Zen. Also, why did the other guy tell us his girlfriend's weight? <laughs> that was yeah. odd. Do you remember that? A lot of specific weights. He was his like, girlfriend, uh, girlfriend, his was dog's weight. She was a high dog. Uh, was 100. By the way, she was, Aaron was having her yard redone, so she had extra yeah, That's her story. Ah, She's okay. very sure. accepted. Mm. All right. Pretty Courtney quick is going to solve this one for us on line one. She's in L.A. She has the perfect explanation of why my dog was racist. Okay. I can't wait to hear this, Courtney, because it's troubled me my whole life. Hey, guys. Good Hi. morning. Good morning. Hey. So there's something called an implicit bias. I don't know if you've ever heard of what an implicit bias is or implicit biases. So, yeah, there are subconscious bias towards other people that we're not aware of. People like uh, professors at the university and police officers uh, typically have to take implicit biases training so that they can understand if they're biased towards certain people. But dogs can pick up on our implicit bias. Oh, so, oh I see. So being subconsciously, yeah. being subconsciously racist. Hates black people. And, and, and by <laughs> osmosis, <laughs> and by osmosis, the dog can pick up on but those. That couldn't look. That doesn't make any <laughs> sense. You it doesn't make know. any sense. I mean, like, I live in a predominantly African-American city now, and I walk Linus every single day, and he loves everybody. No matter who they are, he's very excited to see them and have them, you know, have them acknowledge and, and play with him. Maybe so, you grew a little bit since Santa's little helper. Maybe, <laughs> yeah, maybe you don't have that bias towards all black people, but certain ones, like certain black people maybe put you on edge and mm. maybe your dog that it sounds racist. It has to turn around and be on me, by the way. I Santa mean, was the racist. <laughs> right, but we're trying to figure out, because it doesn't make any sense logically, Okay, how a dog... I mean, you raised that, that dog, right? right? Did you raise the dog? I did. That yeah, was I my boy. A puppy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Courtney, I reject you totally, but I love you for listening and calling. Thank you so much. 1-800-520-1067. I can't wait to get to Cindy, who had a dog that hated all white people. Oh. Uh, so turnabout is fair play. We'll take your calls on racist dogs when we return on K-Rock. The Kevin and Bean Show, world famous K-Rock. Let's take one phone call. We're talking about racist dogs and Heather in Riverside is on the line. Good morning, Heather. Hi, good morning. Yeah, I have a dog named Zoe, and she totally only barks at black people also. What's with dogs and named Zoe? It's the third one. Know. This is the Not third one out of what, person. four? I'm sorry. Yeah, she watches TV aggressively, barks at black people on TV also. What? Oh, my God. Jeez, I hope you don't watch Blackish. It's <laughs> <laughs> right. a nightmare. You can't hear a thing. Oh, the neighbor's calling, the cops, the whole thing. <laughs> We're going to get to the bottom of it. We're going to figure it out. But give our love to Zoe, but keep, <laughs> keep her uh, safe and keep her, everybody around her safe, okay? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> okay, thanks for the call. Today we bring you racist dogs. We're taking your calls at 1-800-520-1067. Jensen, you were saying you hope to hear from somebody who is on the receiving end of a racist dog, too, right? Yeah, I want to hear from the other side. Because like, what yeah. does that feel like? It can't be good. It can't I don't be understand great. any of this. No. I don't either. Uh, right. Santa's Little Helper, my dog was racist. I don't know why. Lori Lahabra, line five, you have a short a story to share. Huh? <laughs> you have a story to share as well. Hi. Lori, hi. Hi, go ahead. Good, good morning. Good morning. Now, growing up, we had um, a little white Cocker Spaniel mix. Mm-hmm. And um, 
I'm, I'm Japanese American, mm-hmm. and every time a white person would come in our house, she would lunge at them and snap at them. Mm-hmm. Oh, no God. kidding. Uh, that has to be so embarrassing, right? Yeah, kind of, because she would pick out that one person and go after them. So when you had... And I don't know, maybe... Maybe they forgot to take their shoes off at the door or something. So when you had Asian friends over or African-American friends over, dog was totally fine. Yeah. Was your dog named Zoe? (laughs) No. (laughs) That does seem to be the racist name. Okay, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 1-800-520-1067. Let's go to Willie, East Los Angeles. Line four, please, up next on the Kevin Bead Show. Hey, Willie. Hey, how's it going? Let's, Stop, say yeah, let's just say pee if you don't mind because we get in trouble. All right, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, uh, he, he, uh, he pees on them, and I kind of did a little uh, experiment, and uh, he does do that on them. So, why? Uh, you know. Have you ever considered why? Uh, maybe he's colorblind. I don't know. <laughs> Well, I mean, that doesn't that really... It's colorblind. Yeah, it doesn't That actually, works the other way. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you for the call. Appreciate that. Let's go to Monica Long Beach up next, line six here on K-Rock. Hey, Monica. Hi. Good morning. We're very perplexed by this. Help. Yeah. Do you, do you have any uh, have any experience with racist dogs? Yes. Uh, one of my closest friends, she's Filipino. Mm-hmm. All of my friends are Asian. As soon as they walk in... Their German Shepherd Daisy, they greet. She greets them with like love and affection. As soon as me and another uh, one of my friends who's Mexican walks in, then she starts being aggressive and then yapping at us and trying to bite us. That dog hates Mexicans. That's crazy. And and what do you think I, that is? She's not a fan of tacos. It's very specific. That's that's as good an excuse as any, I guess. Let's go to Armando in Glendora. Hi, Armando. Hey, good morning. How's it going, party people? Good, thank you. Good. What happened? All right, so it's the 4th of July about three years ago, and I'm at Pismo Beach, and uh, I'm walking and left my party, and I'm walking by myself, and this white little dog just attacked me like about 10 pound dog just attacked me out of everybody in that pier everybody was white except for me <laughs> so that dog just made a beeline for you specifically and no one else on the pier absolutely no one else on the pier except for me and and what's your race what do you look like i'm mexican okay what? and the dog knew it but and how but, what? I mean, but how mexican. that makes no sense because the dog doesn't like tacos kevin <laughs> And she knew because the dog was like, build that wall, and ran right at him. <laughs> pretty much. I'm pretty sure it happened that dog. dog was checking IDs. He was like, oh, Armando, I see. I see. Yeah. Thank you for the call, sir. Appreciate that. Eric writes in from Whittier. When I lived in Monterey Park, which is predominantly Asian, my pit bull Berlin would lose her mind when an Asian person would walk in front of the house. She was never aggressive toward anyone else. She made it very clear that she was racist toward Asians. So it seems to be pretty much spread around. Dogs are racist. Mother effers. Do you think it has anything to do with that implicit bias that the first caller called about? Or do you think this is too many people? Honestly, I don't know. It seems like it's too many people. All right. Let's squeeze in a a couple more. Let's try Nathan's line two, Santa Ana. Up next on the Kevin Meade Show. Hey. Morning. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good morning. What's up? Hey, so I had a dog when I was a kid, a shepherd dog. And the shepherd dog I had did not like fat white people. No. It attacked fat, 
fat white people, anytime you got a chance. I'm Hispanic. My son's Hispanic. So wait, so skinny white people, fine. Fat white people, no? Yeah, no. For huh. the reason, if you were over 250, they didn't like you. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that's... And the reason... <laughs> the reason? The reason with the... Yeah, the reason my mom told me when I was a kid was because it was a shepherd dog, and I guess it thought that fat white people were cows or sheep. Come on. I, I love his mom. Come on. Let's give it up for Nathan's mom. It's amazing. I want your mom 2020. It's the Kevin and Bean Show. K-Rock. Ali's here now. Time for another look at what's happening here on a Monday. Do you think uh, Danny Goldberg, that's going to be coming in to talk about Nirvana, was driving here and heard the segment, Is Your Dog Racist? Mm-hmm. And just said, you know what? Head back home. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have blamed him if he no. did. It would have been the smart move. Right. But I am being informed by Dave that Mr. Goldberg walked here this morning. Oh, hey. my. How about that? What a show off. Seriously. Right? He's already better than we are. <laughs> He lives in Chino Hills. That's so. amazing. <laughs> amazing. Quite a walk. Yeah. Well, speaking of pets, you guys, do you know what the kind of up and coming thing is right now? When you're in a relationship, before you get married, you sign a pet nup. Oh. So who a, gets the pet when you break yes, up? Yes. Really? Yes. Which I I've never even thought about this, except that my ex got our golden retriever when we broke up, only because I was moving to LA. We were in Park City, and I thought, oh, I'm going to have a small little place. So it made sense um, for you yeah, in that, the, at that time. Yeah, the dog needs to be in Park City living his best life. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace, Bailey. I think this is a great idea because I can imagine out of all the stuff that you split up when you break up, you can't do that with a pet. Yes. Unless you want to now get into a custody battle. And you know no one I mean? wants that, yeah. And with that, extra weekends and stuff. That is exactly the point, because the pet custody disputes were involving so much billable time on that single issue. Wow. That now lawyers are like, hey, if we want to figure this out, maybe get this done ahead of time, it won't cost you as much in the end. Which is just fascinating to me. It's a great idea. A pet mm-hmm. nup, you guys. It's a fine line. Because it's like who bought it. Well, who brought it into the relationship. Yeah. But then if you get a pet you together, know, together yeah. do you then talk to your lawyer? Hey, I'd like to uh, do an amendment to the pet nup. Because that, it's just bad. That's yeah. bad. I, mean, I, I do feel like if Donna and I were to split up, as you know, she dreams of, sure. that, right. you know, we would... Neither one of us would be willing to give up Linus. You know what I True. mean? Like, that would be the sticking point. So that's why you guys to... are still together? I was going to say, yeah. that's yes. why they're still together. We have to stay together as long as Linus is alive, yes. <laughs> Got it. Well, speaking of divorcing, Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie are officially over. Wait, Brand- they broke up like 10 what? years ago. Well, here's the thing. Angelina Jolie filed for divorce two and a half years ago, but... Brangelina filed a judgment Friday in their divorce that officially restores their single status. They're still not totally divorced yet, you guys. They're continuing to work out the final details regarding custody of their six kids and division of considerable assets. So... Do they have a pet? Does it say? No, it doesn't say. But this is a long, a long time coming, you guys. The divorce case has been extended to December 31st of this year as they work out their final agreement. But single status, that's the important thing, guys. Brad Pitt officially single. Angelina Jolie officially single. Go get him. Shoot your shots. 
I don't know. I don't know about any of it. Are we saying go get them? <laughs> I, I don't think any it of us are getting them. When I read the headline, I was like, is this an invitation? Yeah, right. Like, it was like, they're finally single. I was right? like, has anyone been waiting? Because <laughs> <laughs> I think we'd all try. Yeah. Either side, like really. 40. For sure. Yeah. So we were talking on uh, on Friday about NCIS being renewed for its 17th season, which is just, it's just insanity <laughs> to me. Over the weekend, we found out that NBC's Good Girl has snagged an early third season renewal, which is, really? yeah, it's true, which is great news. I love that show. Christine Hendricks, Mae Whitman, Retta, fun, fun show. And then today... Shrill, starring A.D. Bryant, has been renewed for its second season. Right on... now, our toll-free telephone number. Huh? You're going to need it. It's 1-800-5800-TOM. No, 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 we're no, 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 not, not, we're not taking... him at all. No. Nope. Mm-mm. Second season on Hulu, so congratulations for that. You just asked me that I question. Do you I listen? just be dribbling out a little <laughs> bit. Of, I have to drain okay. some fluids I mean, from my boils. Oh, I think, oh, I think oh my God. We're, we're good on sound <laughs> drops. Big mouth broad calling in now. and running away. All right. Out of Tom. Okay. Wow. Oh. I think we're just going to wrap this up. Jeez. I have another story, but I don't want to hear the drops, quite frankly. Sounds like you're hoarding. Seth Rogen, Emma Thompson, Emma Watson, Linda Perry, and Maisie Williams, and that's what's happening. Kevin and Bean on K Rock KROQ. Hey, Danny Goldberg. Hey. Welcome to K Rock, my friend. <laughs> Thank you. Danny is the president and owner of Gold Village Entertainment. He was the manager for the band Nirvana from 1990 to 1994, friend and advisor to Kurt Cobain and the guys. And he has written a new book about his time with Nirvana. It is called Serving the Servant, Remembering Kurt Cobain, available wherever books are sold. You can actually meet Danny and hear a conversation with him tonight at Book Soup in West Hollywood. Danny, we got to get started with what we were just talking about off the air, which was the first time any of us ever heard Smells Like Teen Spirit on the radio which would have been right here on K-Rock within a couple of days of it being released, right? Yes. I just want to say I had a co-manager, John Silva, who's now extremely successful in the business, so I don't want to leave him out of the (laughs) story, but I wrote the book. And, um, yeah, it debuted actually on a college station here in Los Angeles called KXLU. They wanted to um, honor the roots of the stations that played indie rock and Mm -hmm. punk rock. But within a week, uh, K-Rock was one of the first two or three stations that played it. And the first time I heard Smells Like Teen Spirit on the radio was on K-Rock, for sure. I heard it. We started playing in October, if I remember correctly, because I think if I remember the story correctly, my wife and I were driving down to Irvine for one of the Boingo shows around Halloween time. And I heard Jed the Fish play it in the afternoon. And I called him up on the phone and I said, you have to tell me what that song was. It was the greatest song I think I've ever heard in my life. And I feel like that was a lot of people's reactions to the first time they ever heard that song. It was so exceptional. You knew that it was something unlike anything you'd ever heard before. Yeah. Um, you know, Kurt Kurt Cobain uh, had a vision um, of combining the integrity and rebellious spirit of punk rock with with pop melodies and some heavy metal instrumentation and he somehow fused these things into a new into a new sound that it really uh, it really exploded it was an amazing thing to be part of it just exploded all over the world very very quickly I know you a, say in the book but tell people why it took so long for you to write about it well first of all you have to have the time to write a book it's it's I write my own books there's no co-writers or ghostwriters or anything and it was a time in my life when I could do it the first decade after Kurt died. I, it was just too painful for me. I didn't even listen to Nirvana music or, or read or anything about it. And then over the last decade, it just seemed to me two things 
became clear to me. One is that there were younger people that wanted to talk to me about Nirvana, which blew my mind. People yeah. that weren't even alive when Kurt died. And the other thing was that it seemed to me like his image had been overwhelmed by the tragedy of his death, and and which obscured the brilliance and beauty of his short life. And I, I just wanted to paint a portrait of the guy that I knew. It's not journalistic. It's subjective. I'm an unreliable narrator. <laughs> and it's, uh, it's not a biography. It's just about the three and a half years between the time when I first met him with the other guys in the band until, until his what death. What was your first impression of him? Well, he's very quiet in the first meeting until he piped up and said exactly what he wanted to do about what record about how to deal with record companies. And it took a while for me to realize that he was so brilliant and 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 made all of the decisions. Uh, so I would say maybe it took till my second meeting that I really internalized who he was in the in in the band. I think a, a big part of, of reading the book, too, is like the duality of Kurt Cobain that you, you touch on so much. And it, it's almost like that meeting, which is when you watch him on TV or you saw him in performances, you, you kind of thought he was like on the seat of his pants. But you talk about how he was calculated pretty intensely. Oh, there's no question that Nirvana's success was no accident. He planned every detail of the band's career. If you read his journals, you can see the years in advance. He was listing constantly 50 albums that influenced them. He he had uh, imaginings of marquees with Nirvana having a sold-out show. And uh, and in the albums that he cited, most of them were, were, were indie punk records like the Melvins or Flipper or Black Flag, but it always included like a couple of Beatles records. Yeah, or the Chipmunks or, Beatles yeah. record. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, which and he, he really had, liked, yeah. He had four copies. Uh, you know, Ray Farrell, who was a sales guy at Geffen in those days dealing with the indie stores, told me he, him and Kurt would just talk about their record collections. Mm -hmm. That was how he could connect with them. And he went over to Kurt's apartment at one point and, and found four unopened uh, vinyls of the um, of the chipmunks sing the Beatles. Oh one of which God. he gave Ray. He, yeah. Just in case he wore out the other three, yeah. he'd have a fourth one. Well, you gotta have a backup. Yeah. Yeah. And man, did Kurt Cobain love ABBA. I think that would surprise a lot of people too, right? Well, he loved great songs. Uh, you know, culturally, he identified with punk. He was a rebel. He had contempt for the stereotype of the macho front man. He, he, he was politically what we would call on the, on the left... Uh, and and he had contempt for a lot of kind of corporate grandiosity, including in, in the music business. But he loved a good song. Mm -hmm. He was a great songwriter and he respected art. So he could he could differentiate between the kind of cultural baggage of some kinds of music and just the excellence of it. And and he, he listened uh, sometimes to Black Sabbath uh, also. Uh, you know, his great love was the punk rock culture and he saw himself as a as part of it and he always honored it by the bands that he made sure open to nirvana on tour and the t-shirts he would wear when he did a tv show but musically he was very much of a renaissance man a lot of people um see their name on the marquee ahead of time and they know they're gonna blow up and they just don't how was he different He's more talented. Just talented. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's a God-given gift. You know, why is LeBron James uh, better yeah. than everybody else? You know, some people are born with that. This is the he voice worked of very, Danny, very hard. Yeah. He had a Danny great Goldberg work Goldberg is here with us on the Cavita Beach. We're talking about his book. Sorry to interrupt, Danny. Called Serving the Servant, Remembering Kurt Cobain. In stores available wherever you buy your books. You can meet him tonight at Book Soup in West Hollywood. You know, you talk about the, uh, the macho frontman image that he liked to stay away from. You tell a couple of interesting stories in the book about the feud he had with Axl Rose that I had kind of forgotten about. What started it? Well, I don't know if it's exactly a feud, but there definitely was a period where they 
didn't 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 like each other. Um, I think, you know, I, in my mind, you know, when when the record was first making the rounds at Geffen Records, you know, uh, records, you know, labels would have an advance copy that they'd give to press people and programmers and so on six or eight weeks early. Uh, apparently, Axl Rose liked it, and he wore a Nirvana hat in in a. In a, in a Guns N' Roses video, and that was actually a talking point briefly for one of the promo guys that was trying to get metal stations to play it. Right. Um, but but you know, Kurt really had strong views about um, about sexism and racism, and had been kind of just offended by some of the Guns N' Roses lyrics and the image. And Nirvana came from a culture that was almost antithetical to that. And I remember when after Nevermind came out, within weeks it was a very big buzz record, and they played um, the, the Los Angeles show a few weeks after that. I, I'm getting mixed up in my mind whether it, I think it was the Palladium. Okay. Uh, sometimes I conflate. Which is unbelievable them. to think about now, Nirvana. <laughs> yeah, playing it the is, Palladium. Yeah. The palace. It was either the Palace or the Palladium, <laughs> and um, and and uh, uh, Eddie Rosenblatt, who's the president of Geffen, came up to me after the show, and people. It was the big buzz show. A lot of musicians were there, and movie stars, and people from the business. It was the place to be. And he came up to me. and He says, "Look, I've got Axel Rose with me. Can can Axel would like to meet Kurt?" So, because they were on the same label. I mean, Nirvana Records came out on an imprint called DGC, but it was part of Geffen Records and a lot of the same people, same president. So I go into the dressing room and I tell Kurt, and he just rolls his eyes and he says, oh man, I don't want to meet Axl Rose. So I said, uh, all right, let's just, we don't want to offend the president of the label. Um, I'll give him passes, tell him you need five minutes to change clothes, and you and I can go out the back door. So he'll come back into the dressing room. It's not like we kept him out, but you don't have to say hi to him. <laughs> So we did that, and I never got grief from from Eddie, uh, you know, the the record company president, about it afterwards. But I don't think it left a great taste in Axl Rose's mouth. I can I can see that. Uh, you know, he probably he's Axl Rose for God's sake at, at his peak. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, at his absolute peak. So there was that sort of atmosphere, and then later on, um, in by August of '92, uh, just a couple of weeks before Courtney gave birth to. Kurt, you know, their, their daughter, Frances Bean, there was this very mean article in Vanity Fair about Courtney that, you know, accused her of being very irresponsible while she was pregnant. And Axl Rose on stage said these very uh, mean things about Kurt and Courtney and said they should go to jail and things like that. Not really what you want to no. hear, especially when you're dealing with all sorts of stress about this. So... The, the incident that has been widely discussed, but I was there for it at the MTV Awards, which was like like the next week, was that we were we were sitting uh, in an area backstage, uh, you know, for the artists to have some food and catering and so on. You know, there were rehearsals. It was a long day leading up to the MTV Awards. They, they called them the VMAs, I guess. Yeah. And um, so we're sitting there, a few of us with Kurt and Courtney, and then. Uh, Axel Rose and uh, two huge bodyguards, and uh, his girlfriend at the time, who I think's name was Stephanie Seymour. That's right. Um, come backstage. So Courtney, who's aware that Axel had just said these uh, insulting things, pipes up, "Hey, Axel, want to be Godfather to our baby?" <laughs> That's very Courtney. So, so, so Stephanie Seymour, not realizing who she was dealing with, said to Courtney, "Oh, are you a model?" And then, without missing a beat, Courtney says, "Are you a brain surgeon?" Oh my! God. Oh dear! Oh dear! So, I love it. 
So <laughs> that's Ax crazy. So Axel Rose then came over to our table with these two gigantic like WWF type bodyguards and says to Kurt, tell your woman to shut up or I'm going to push you down to the pavement. So um, we're, we're all trying not to burst out laughing. <laughs> and uh, Kurt, Kurt, like mocking him, says to uh, Courtney, uh, you know, shut up, B. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm on commercial radio yes. here. Yes, um, and yeah, you can't uh, say bitch. And, and, just so you know. <laughs> well, we can. Yeah. Oh, good, 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 to, good to know. Good to know. Like making fun of it, we all crack up, and Axel huffed away. And then you know, later on the broadcast, uh, Dave Grohl mocked Axel. Was a, that that was the drama? And then Kurt talked about it in the press a lot because it became an example to him of the contrast between what he cared about. Right. He was brilliant with the media. So on the one hand. He was he was upset by it. On the other hand, by the time he got to the press tent after the show, he developed a narrative that he was talking about for months because it served who he was, yeah. the contrast. Sure. So that was the quote-unquote feud. My That's guess is if Kurt were alive today, they probably would get along. From what I've read about Axl Rose, you know, only a handful of people have shared that experience. But at the time, there were two conflicting versions of what a rock, star was, sure. what a front man was. And Kurt really created a new model, a non-macho, caring model who could also rock as hard as anyone. Uh, and and that that was a big part of what he contributed to me, not only the music, but kind of a, a cultural alternative to the macho stereotype. And Axel Rose was break, the Danny. perfect foil for it. Yeah, you got to take a break. That is a fantastic story, and it's one of many that you'll find in the book. Again, it's called Serving the Servant, Remembering Kurt Cobain, available at all book retailers right now. More with our guest, Danny Goldberg, when we return right after this on K-Rock. This is the Kevin and Bean Show, the world-famous K-Rock. Guys, in uh, just a couple of years, the great Kurt Cobain will have been uh, dead as long as he was alive. I know that is hard to believe that that much time has passed by, but a uh, man who knew him well in the last four years of his life, his uh, former manager of Nirvana, Danny Goldberg, is in studio with us here on the Kevin and Bean Show. Again, you can meet him and see a discussion with Danny tonight at Book Soup in West Hollywood at 7 p.m. But even if you can't make that in person, you've got to get the book. Any K-Rock fan is going to love this book. Danny, you brought up uh, Courtney Love at the end of the last uh, segment. Um, did you feel, as I did, that she, in a lot of Nirvana fans' minds, somehow became a villain after his death? And, to the most part, unfairly? Well, definitely it was unfair. Um, it's so hard to tell. In this, You know, social media was just starting to emerge. I remember there was an AOL message board about the music business that had an enormous amount about me and Courtney and everybody else after Kurt's death, and that was the forerunner of Twitter, in a way. And um, so, you know, a few hundred people can make a loud noise. Seems like it's a tremendous amount. And it doesn't necessarily represent millions of fans. Um, all I know is that Kurt loved Courtney uh, and uh, vice versa. And that, uh, you know, I liked Courtney right away when I met her. And during You were in the room when they met, by the way, I should mention. Well, I was. They had met before. Briefly, over the but 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 after Nevermind came out, the band did some clubs again mm -hmm. to show that they weren't, you know, uh, John Silva, my partner, wanted to make sure they showed that they were being faithful to their roots and everything like that. And they played a club in Chicago called the Metro that held about 500 people. And by this time, Smells Like Teen Spirit had been on the radio and on MTV for weeks, and you couldn't get in. It was it was a it was an exciting madhouse. And Courtney walked into the dressing room afterwards and introduced herself to me. And uh, about 10 minutes later, I, I noticed she was sitting on Kurt's lap. 
and they both had this very happy expression on their face, like the proverbial cat that swallowed the canary. <laughs> and they were together that night and for the rest of Kurt's life. So I was there the night that they got together romantically. Uh, they, they had met a, a few times gotcha. in the what was it like, couple of years. I, I, when reading the book, what's it like managing an artist who breaks their equipment every show? Like, <laughs> well, that, that can't be easy. Well, or, I was, or cheap. I, yeah. I was 40 years old and had been in the business for a while. Mm -hmm. My role was to be the older guy that kind of knew the music business. So the tour manager and other people had to deal with that, and yeah. I could just sort of be in my office oblivious to it. But and you never had to I have think a it was very inconvenient, especially because Kurt was left-handed. Yeah, So replacing sure, yeah. a left-hand guitar was was harder but they somehow figured out how to do it funny and uh and it became a staple of of the show yeah for people that have seen all the documentaries all the movies have read the journal have done everything that they think that makes them this huge nirvana fan what would you say that might surprise someone that they don't know about kurt cobain Oh, goodness. I, I'll tell you, I just, he was so nice as a human being, you yeah. know, and because the nature of his art form involved rebelliousness and sarcasm, and he, and that was part of who he was. He wasn't pretending to, to, to love punk culture. He was a product of it. But privately, he was so thoughtful and nice to other people. He had a lot of darkness inside him, obviously. He was prone to depression, had drug problems, and killed himself. There's no papering over that. Mm -hmm. But... But, At his core. But just the darkness time. was interdirected to other people. You know, in doing the book, I interviewed, you know, 40 people that kind of I knew at the time, worked with at the time, to, to, to both get other voices into the story and to help me remember things. Mm -hmm. And so many people had these stories about something very thoughtful and considerate that Kurt did. So that's the dirty little secret about Kurt. He was a really nice guy. <laughs> Love Danny, it. you uh, you were involved in uh, a couple of different attempts at interventions with Kurt, and that is difficult under any circumstance. He was particularly resistant to getting help. He did try, though, on numerous occasions, but for whatever reason, it just didn't stick, right? He he tried a number of times. I was part of two interventions, but there were many other less formal conversations over the years. You know, a bunch of us realized that he was was doing heroin in january of 92 when the band did saturday night live for the first time a few months after nevermind came out and then for the next several years it was always a struggle um he hated the idea of being a junkie or doing drugs and he would he he he, he didn't want to have that out there to uh, make any fans feel that it was cool but he was in a lot of pain he was in physical pain he had a chronic stomach problem he was in emotional pain he had a very difficult childhood and um you know i'm a big believer in 12-step program a lot of people very close to me have had their lives really saved by it and he was certainly introduced to it on a number of occasions but he just didn't embrace it and um you know it's not for everybody unfortunately and it's hard to find the plan b you know, some people use antidepressants, some people meditate and pray, some people just somehow have the willpower, but many people don't. Do you think the massive success that they had added to that? I don't know. Because it seems like it's sort of the opposite of what he wanted, and, and yet... Well, sort he, of wanted it as well. Well, he had definitely done heroin before he was successful. There's no question about that. No, I'm it, saying the depression and everything else. He was prone to depression long yeah, before early he was sessions, successful. Yeah. In the demo sessions, you know, after Bleach, Butch Vig, who, who later produced Nevermind, had produced several demos of songs that ended up on Nevermind, including Lithium and Polly. And, um, and Butch said the first time, you know, 
Kurt just zoned out and 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 uh, didn't talk for like twenty minutes. And he said, "What's wrong?" And Chris says, "Oh, he just gets like that sometimes. You know, he'll come out of it." And and Chris had known him, you know, since high school. Um, so he was prone to depression from a very young age. He tried heroin at a very young age. Of course, once you're famous and have money, it's a lot easier to get heroin. Sure. Uh, but um, I think that the psychological issues he had predated fame. He, you know, there, look, fame had its downsides. He uh, didn't like the invasion into his personal life by the media, especially. Didn't love being recognized every time he went to a store. But um, he wanted to be famous and he wanted to stay famous. It's not like he got famous hmm. and then said, oh, my goodness, this isn't what I wanted. When it came time for, in, you know, immediately... He puts together an anthology after Nevermind happens of his earlier work. He's 24 years old and he's already anthologizing his earlier work because he knew who he was as an artist and, and has incesticide come out. And then when it came for In Utero, you know, yes, he had Steve Albini produce it to, to honor the punk roots and certain sounds that were in his head. But then he had Scott Litt, who'd worked with R.E.M., remix the singles. Yeah. Kurt decided what the singles were. Kurt decided what the mix was. Kurt decided what the videos he, were. He, he edited Smells Like Teen Spirit. He re-edited the, the, the Smells Like Teen Spirit video because he didn't like the first edit. So, you he know, was in he, control. he wanted to stay successful, but he didn't like all the byproducts of that success. But he never stopped competing because there was he was complicated and he had contradictions. Yeah. Well, we have unfortunately seen so many of these suicides <clears throat> here at K-Rock, you know, just in the last couple of years with Avicii and with um, Chester Bennington and with um, Chris Cornell. And it it never is not a shock. It's always such a shock when it happens. And I'm sure that's how you felt and the rest of the team felt because you were, you know, with him so much and close to him so much and you could see that there were problems, but it had to have been such a stunning bit of bad news to wake up to that day. I mean... You certainly didn't imagine that would happen. I feared it would happen because six weeks before he died, he almost killed himself with an overdose in Rome, and I knew he hadn't conquered the drug problem, really gotten sober or anything like that. But uh, you're exactly right. The reality of it was just a horrible, horrible shock. And um, look, a very a pretty good friend of mine just killed himself last week who's not a celebrity and it's, it's scary Stewart, it's, I imagine. It, yes yeah you know and and you know it's just a mystery of the human mind that is so heartbreaking when when especially when someone you love does it and and as far as i could tell psychiatrists and spiritual leaders and philosophers haven't figured out how to stop it uh, you just have to love people and get them any kind of treatment you can but you know, people sometimes do it, and it's yeah. just—it's just a mind-blowing tragedy. There is uh, so much light in the book as well. Like you said, when you sat down, Mr. Goldberg, you know, you wanted to make sure that people knew the other side. Don't don't let his life be overshadowed by his death. And there are some great stories that we haven't even gotten a chance to get to. You'll love the chapter on the MTV Unplugged sessions, yeah. by the way, which were just fascinating to me. The whole book is great, you guys. You really ought to check it out if you're a fan of Nirvana like we are. Serving the Servant, Remembering Kurt Cobain, author Danny Goldberg. You can meet him tonight at 7 o'clock at the Book Soup in West Hollywood. He'll be in conversation and signing your copy. Danny, so grateful you made the trip. Thanks so much for coming in. I can't thank you enough for having me he on. He walked from New York. Guys he did. That's a long way. <laughs> it's Kevin and Bean on K-Rock. K-Rock. K-R-O-Q. Q. It is interesting that we have a policy 51 weeks a year yep. to not let people tell jokes on the air. Because... Th- 
Because people can't tell jokes. And then myself included. The when you have an actual joke, it's just uh-huh. sort of hard to do the real setup and really deliver the punchline. Except when it comes time to April Foolishness, right. all of a sudden, phones are wide open. <laughs> uh, Kevin Bean's 11th annual April Foolishness is happening April 26th at the Microsoft Theater. It's going to be a great night of comedy, including the Kevin Bean rap battle, which, by the way, Jensen, I think we have to get back to, start prepping for that again. Uh, you definitely want to be there. You can buy your tickets at AXS.com with uh, proceeds going to great local charities. Or you can win them right now if you're on the phone. It's time to play A Guy Walks Into a Bar. A guy walks into a bar. Come on, tell the joke. A guy walks into a bar. If you win, you'll be so stoked. Okay. I'm just trying so, to play it. Jokes! So, so <laughs> if you're the best one, you stay on the line, right? Yeah, whoever we like best. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we, if you don't beat the person before you, then you hang up and we move on. Okay. Let's. Uh, who's up first? All right. We're going to start with Alex in Riverside. Good morning, Alex. Morning. Bubble down. To you as well. What's your joke, sir? Okay, my joke. A horse walks into a bar. The bartender says, why the long face? Aardvark that walked into the bar with the long face, by the way. No? It's a horse? Oh, now we're critiquing. What the hell? It could be whatever. I love Alex, and he's he's the winner as far as I'm concerned. Let's go to Anthony and La Mirada. Can you beat that? Yes. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, past, present, and future walk into a bar. It was tense. (laughs) (laughs) A guy walks into a bar. I enjoy that one very much. Oh, what am I having? Jensen oh, I got it. Just got, it. Oh. got it. Got it. Okay. Jensen mouth words to me. Jensen. Past tense. Well, oh. bigger problem is I've heard that joke with like wigwam, TP, but so I was thinking T N T S, and I was like, what? did he mess up the joke? All right, oh, so Jensen. does he beat Alex? No, or no? I don't think no. so. Right? Alex de- delved into the horse's actual issues. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No. So so far, Alex is the leader. Let's go to Rich in Montebello. Good morning, Rich. What's up, party people? Good morning. All right. So a Russian spy, a sexual predator, and a billionaire walk into the bar. The bartender says, what can I get you, Mr. President? Mm. Boom. A guy walks into a bar. Fresh as today's headlines. Mm. I still think I'm with the psychoanalysis of the horse, though. (laughs) I'm going horse, something I've said many times. <laughs> and we had to give him a second chance because Bean was jumping all over. Yeah, it. and he still killed it. All right, Steve and Downey. Good morning. Hey, good morning. How are you guys doing today? We are good, thank you. 
Okay, so a guy walks in a bar and says, I need a beer and a shot before any problems start. The bartender, the bartender says, that'll be $10. The guy says, that's when the problem starts. Horse! 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 I'm not chanting horse. I'm not going to do that chant. Still horse. Let's skip skip uh, line five, Kevin. That's a, a, an old uh, boring joke. Let's go to the games on <laughs> oh, line six in West LA so instead. <laughs> All right, James, hi. Um, a grasshopper walks into the bar. The bartender looks at the grasshopper and says, Wow, what a coincidence. We have a drink named after you here. The grasshopper says, What a Kevin? Because <laughs> <laughs> his name is Kevin. Name He's not a Kevin. grasshopper. See? And a grasshopper used to be a drink my dad ordered. Come okay. on. I don't get it. <laughs> Come, on. Come on. He's very disappointed. <laughs> now, we're essing on his dad. I just, horse, don't, even, I just horse, don't get the Horse, <laughs> horse, 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 All right. Can we try Jesse and Sherman? Wait, was next? the grasshopper's name Kevin? Yeah. And, yes. Which I don't understand. Why? Because that's his real name. That's oh, his... so he had a drink oh, named after because okay. his name is Kevin. Not... Got it. Okay, okay, now at least I get the joke. Yeah. Still, still horse, though. Same. Still horse. Still horse. still horse, though. Yeah. All right, Jesse and Sherman Oaks, good morning. Good morning. What's up, everyone? <laughs> We're having trouble right. today, but go ahead. <laughs> Hopefully I can help. All right, okay. So a mushroom walks into a bar, sits down the bar, and asks the bartender, hey, can I have a drink? Bartender turns around, looks at him, says, get out of here. We don't serve your kind. The mushroom says, but why? Can I have the drink, please? Watcher says, get out. We don't serve your kind. The mushroom replies, but why? I'm a fun guy. Mm. <laughs> mushroom. He's a fun, fun guy. guy. Fun guy. A guy walks into a bar. That right. doesn't beat horse. Horse! 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 Do one horse. more or just go to Alex? One no, more. one more. One more. Okay. One more. Final, <laughs> final contestant. All right, Bob in Manhattan Beach. Good morning. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Good, thank you. So, uh... So Bono and the Edge walk into a bar, and the bartender says, "Ah, oh, not you two again." That was my horse. That was short and sweet. I didn't hate it, but it's I no horse, it ladies and gentlemen. It's no horse. <laughs> Go back to Alex. He overcame incredible, incredible difficulty to get his joke on the air, but it all paid off because he's going to Kevin Bean's April Foolishness on the 26th at the Microsoft Theater with a great lineup of comedy plus the Kevin Bean rap battle and surprises. That's not a horse. That's, That's not a horse. That's a horse. Thank you, Alex. Did I win? You won. you won. Yes, you won. Sorry, I thought we made that clear. Thanks for saying the guy walks into a bar. <laughs> Thanks for playing the game. Jokes. 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 It's the Kevin and Bean Show. K.U. Rock. You guys remember this morning when uh, Ruben came in and came talk? Yes. <laughs> I do. <laughs> well, Ruben, for folks who uh, weren't with us, which is everyone, Ruben and Beer Mug drove to work this morning mm. from Coachella. Yeah. It's they're not a still, great plan. They're still wearing their shorts and, and T-shirts, and in Muggs' case, tank top in Ruben's case. And by the way, that's a tough look for a 100-plus-year-old man. Right? He that looks, is a tough look. He looks like a Sharpay. <laughs> oh, my God. When you pass 80, you do not wear that shirt. You don't wear a tank top. That's Correct. for sure. So, yeah, it's uh, there's a little bit of a post-Coachella um, <laughs> hangover. Yeah, hangover is a good word for it, mm-hmm. I think. Literally, that's the case for Ruby <laughs> and All right, Allie is here. She's fine, although you wouldn't know it from today. Let's take another look at uh, what's happening, shall we? Yeah, well said on your part, right? Who's with right. me? Guys, Morrissey, first tour of Canada in 15 years. Canceled? 
It's on hold right now. Oh, come on. I was kidding. <laughs> this is due to a medical emergency stemming from an accident incurred while traveling in Europe. Was the accident that he woke up and realized he didn't want to play a concert? I don't know, you guys. It was scheduled to kick off yesterday with a pair of shows in Vancouver. Uh, those gigs canceled, or I'm sorry, on hold, as well as dates in Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg. They're being postponed canceled. until October. The statement reads, spirits are high and the artist is on the path to a swift recovery. All tickets will be valid for the new dates and exchanges will not be necessary. Thank you for your understanding. Maybe hold off on the exchanges will not be necessary until yeah. October. Ali, I'm He's not, not reliable mm-hmm. when I say that he has canceled literally hundreds of concerts, right? Uh, you're not exaggerating um, because since 2012, he has canceled or postponed 141 concerts. Oh, that's insane. 141. And the average artist in the last seven years, would you say, has probably canceled two? Tops. <laughs> yeah, and those were and just shows that Ali had tickets to. Right. <laughs> you aren't wrong. And most of those are postponements, let alone right. cancellations yeah. in whole. So You said 141. What did, did you mean? I said uh, he's canceled or postponed 141 concerts since 2012. That's a real D-bag but, uh, move. Also, I assume if you're a fan of his, you know that that's... When you get a ticket, yes. it's 50-50. Absolutely. Right? Okay. I would think you'd know that. Hey, <laughs> when he was due to headline Acoustic Christmas, sure. the morning we made the announcement, we said, and allegedly, possibly, but probably not Morrissey. I mean, that's yeah. how we announced it. Yeah. yeah. Don't get your hopes up. He didn't play. But he was great. Oh. He no. didn't. <laughs> he Spoiler didn't alert. Okay. <laughs> My bad. Unbelievable, you guys. Yeah. Unbelievable. That's, that's as uh, as Jensen said. I'm sorry, I'm a fan of Morrissey's. That's a D-bag move. It's yeah. It's a crappy way to treat your fans. I'll I believe in you. I don't know if we believe in him, you guys. <laughs> so if you know Phoebe Waller-Bridge, uh, you know that she is beyond talented. She created the show Fleabag, which is one of the greatest shows ever. Season 2 coming to Amazon Prime May 17th. And created Killing Eve which all of us are obsessed with. Just a fantastic show. So it probably wouldn't shock you that Daniel Craig himself reached out to Phoebe Waller-Bridge to see if she could kind of liven up the script of the upcoming 007 installment. This is incredibly impressive. According to The Observer, the comedian, writer, and actress was specifically requested by Bond himself, Daniel Craig, who met with her and said, you know, script needs some polishing. Let's get some of that Phoebe Waller-Bridge unique style and humor put in there. Did That's she impressive. Play a, uh, she played a droid in one of the Star Wars movies, oh, too, didn't Yes, she? thank you. She was in Solo, a Star Wars story. She played the droid L337. Who was the comedy relief of that movie. Absolutely. She was in love with uh, Donald Glover's character, of course, playing a young Lando Calrissian. It was a great, great part of the movie. <laughs> What? <laughs> Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? No, nothing. Go ahead. All right. So anyway, that's pretty cool. Pretty, pretty good cool news. news, you guys, right there. They're not gonna. They're not gonna yuck up Bond, are they? I don't think so. But I think. <laughs> I don't I think, think we're looking for. There, there is a yuck up Bond. <laughs> I mean, you're saying you don't not, want that's that kind of. Yeah, that's not what we're looking for. Kind of comedy, Bond. There is a yuck up Bond. There's a Casino Royale, right? You're talking about the Woody Allen one? Yeah, the Woody Allen one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 I don't think that's where we're at in the franchise. I yeah. think all the earlier Bonds, though, had funny little, like, from my 
extensive Bond uh, watching knowledge, all of them had very funny, quirky moments. And by all, Goldfinger made me (laughs) chuckle a couple times. Right? Any Any good movie should have some... Something that makes you... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right? Maybe not yuck it up. Right. But... I don't know if Fozzie Bear's going to be involved, (laughs) but he should be. Right? A little pork pie hat. Never hurt nobody. You guys, Backstreet Boys celebrated the 20th anniversary of their classic song, I Want It That Way, over the weekend. They had a big weekend of a handprint ceremony on Friday at Planet Hollywood Resort and Casino. Then they had uh, the keys to the city given to them, and they presented a check donation to the Boys and Girls Club of Southern Nevada to the event. But I think the biggest story is... Ron Jensen Carp went there for his baby moon. That's Him right. and his lovely wife, Danielle Fischel, went to see them performing for what's going to be their last shows there. That's right. We went and saw their residency. And? They're great. The Backstreet so Boys. So fun, right? They're very fun. They also, uh, it was a shock because like they use no vocal track, no mm-hmm. backing track. So it's just them singing. Yeah. And I was shocked to see that the, most of them could really sing. And you had said before, like, oh, I know I want it that way. But weren't oh, no, you they shocked have, like, a bunch at of how songs. many songs yeah. are like, wait, this is them? This yeah. is them? And they have a ton of fun on stage. They don't take yeah. themselves seriously. It's See? great. Look yeah. at you. Hashtag your... Backstreet for Weenie. Ba- uh, right? I don't know well, for no, hold doing on, hold on. that. No. The one thing backstreet I will say. Backstreet for Weenie. Hashtag. No. That's please. not what you're saying? Yeah. That's not what I'm saying. We want okay. biscuits. But I did play pinball at the Pinball Hall of Fame. I was so. going to say, what else did you do? You went to. My Danielle and I went to the Pinball. I'm sorry, Danielle is who? All right, sorry. It's my wife. We mm-hmm. went to a pin, Pinball Hall of Fame that uh-huh. had over 100 different pinball machines in it. Okay. And we played. She must have been thinking. Look, this is part of marriage. He loves it, so right. I'm just gonna. Not I think say that's anything. what she does. I yeah. think I, I'm, that's I'm my sure guess. It's what she does. But she pretends to love it as well, and that's amazing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What if all this time Danielle had like a secret blog where she was just blogging about Jensen? Uh-huh. Like, I can't believe I had to go to. A he doesn't even open the Blu-rays. <laughs> it's like a whole right. chapter. Jensen, oh. if uh, if this weren't your life, yes. you would be sitting over here with me mocking people who go on something called a baby moon, right? Most likely. And I think that both Danielle and I were so against it. But I'm telling mm-hmm. you. Doctors are telling That's the thing. Now. The one, yeah. the most advice that we've gotten from anyone is to do it. And yeah. from people who are also cynics. They were just like, you have to do it. You have to do it. Like, it was a main thing. Did they say go to the pinball museum? No, I made that, that part up. No, okay. I made that part up. I think most doctors say go somewhere to relax and enjoy your last weekend, week, whatever it is, yeah. without the kid. Jensen took that as somewhere to relax at Vegas. Yeah. Vegas is where I'm going. It is such a bizarre choice It was to a me. weird choice. But we had a great time. It was super fun. A lot right. of gambling. Danielle was a big winner. Now, you know all about the push present, right? Yes. Okay, because that was never that, that was never really a thing no. during when you had no. kids, right? No. So what is exactly the push present? It's a gift that you give mm-hmm. to your uh, partner uh, after birth, and uh, it's supposed to be pretty nice. Yeah, so you've been thinking about it? <laughs> yeah, I've been contemplating a lot right. of things, yeah. Haven't you already given her the gift? The gift if of... If you get my meaning? Well, no, I, I mean, my meaning mm. is most likely it's jewelry, so... Mm. Yeah, I think that's what most push presents are. Yeah. And usually it has to do with the child. Oh, so, really? Yeah, well, a lot of times it's the... Um, oh, my God. Shaquille's going to be such a large name to put on a Well, bracelet. again, you could put the name. You could oh. put the birthstone. You could do, oh. like, something like that. Okay. Do you know what the birthstone is for July? Mm-mm. Are you kidding? You didn't look any of this up? I didn't even, to be honest with you, I didn't even think of this. I was, I, I assumed I was just. Oh, luck out. It's a ruby. 
That's what does so that pretty. mean? It's just the red ruby. So yeah. you could get oh, okay. something, a push present, like whether it's a ruby ring, oh. whether it's ruby earrings. Got it. That type of thing. Is there, there ruby for weenie? Let me look up. Are there ruby any pinball ball. games with ruby in oh, the Oh, for the Holy love crap. of God. Does My weenie... fiance is pregnant right now. Oh, wow. Didn't know what that clip was going to be. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you shouldn't right? have played that. Beer bug pregnancy. Sorry. Oh, no. All right. Moving on, you guys. Uh, if you I missed it, we talked all about uh, Coachella and the different artists that show up. Ariana Grande brought up Nicki Minaj, P. Diddy, Mace, NSYNC. Minus JT. Uh, Justin Bieber met Billie Eilish out there in the crowd while Ariana was playing. Other uh, highlights, Weezer brought up Chili from TLC. They did No Scrubs. Mm -hmm. Brought up Kurt Smith from Tears for Fears. Did Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Selena Gomez surprised fans by joining Cardi B on stage to do Taki Taki during DJ Snake set. I mean, what the? It's impossible to keep track of. Absolutely. So what happened second weekend? Besides Kanye showing up, he's going to do the Sunday service on Easter morning. Do they switch out all I don't these know if special they, yeah. guests? Do that or or yeah, what I mean, happens? You get way so. less, and then a couple are surprises. I like it. I like it. What was what was the highlight for you? Was it Childish Gambino? It was Childish Gambino, yeah. yeah. He was and amazing. Would you yeah. have expected that? Like I, I would say I'm a seven out of ten fan of his, mm-hmm. and that his performance was a nine out of ten. Yeah, that's, that's great. Saying. Yeah, it was really amazing. I've seen him three times, and he's stunning. He just up there on he, that stage. He's also, he commands the whole stage. He's also very him. Uh huh. You know what I mean? Like he's not trying to be like anybody yeah. else. He's just puts on a show that no one else could put on because he's. You know, Donald Glover. It's amazing. Uh, dumb question. Um, Allie, you probably know this. Is next weekend the finale for Childish Gambino? He's retiring the character. He's not going to mm-hmm. do it anymore. Is that next weekend or does he have other shows this year before I he puts away? I that this is what wrapped it up because the L.A. dates were his last ever in L.A. Okay. So I think So maybe next weekend is the last Childish Gambino show then. But that just means he's Donald Glover. Or right. some other name, or whatever it comes yeah. up with. He has a date Saturday, April 27th at Landover, Maryland. Oh, probably a makeup show from his leg. You know what they say, end your career in Landover, Maryland. <laughs> yeah, you say that? <laughs> it's got to be a makeup date for when his leg was all jacked. That was my uh, that was my concert venue growing up. That's where I saw all the great bands of my teenage years was hmm. at the Capitol Center in Landover, Maryland. Wow. It's a great legitimate venue. Yeah. It's a Staples Center type venue. You saw a lot of big band there? <laughs> yes, I did. Rube, Ruben and I went when Glenn Miller came. <laughs> you, guys, you guys ever go see Radio Live? Like, uh, get to see how they make the sound effects? <laughs> Exciting story. <laughs> little Foley work right there. <laughs> what I'm saying is Landover is not a big name, but it's, a, right. it's essentially okay. a Washington, D.C. venue. It's a, it's a legitimate place to play. Gotcha. At any point when Childish Gambino was up there, were you like, uh, can you wrap it up and get back to writing Atlanta? Uh, no, I didn't want okay. him to wrap it up because he right. was great. I, I need him to get back to Atlanta. No, Cal. All right. Okay. I'm not sure how that's... I haven't watched the Guava Islander. I haven't either. No. I want to. Yeah. Rihanna and him. It's, uh, it's a love story to Cuba. Hmm. It's a love story to art. It's a love story to music. He sure dances the same way that he dances on This Is America. And at one point, I'm like, Rihanna's going to laugh at any moment in here. I know she's doing a movie, but she's still going to laugh. But she didn't. Wonder and he why? takes his shirt off a lot, too. Oh, well, he has to. Of course. That's his thing. That's his thing. Yeah. Some birthdays for you guys. Linda Perry, Maisie Williams, Seth Rogen, Emma Thompson, and Emma Watson. And that's what's happening.
Take your island and drive home today. Listen to a commercial-free 5 p.m. hour. Random act of helpfulness from the SoCal Helpful Honda dealers tomorrow morning. An all-new Kevin and Bean Show. The host of The Amazing Race, Phil Kogan, joins us and makes us feel small. He always does that. He comes in here and he's all positive and he's all, yeah. I just biked all the way around the world seven times. And we're right. like, stop it. He's a lot. He is a lot. That's You're true. a loser. <laughs> uh, animal stories tomorrow as well. And we've got your tickets for April Foolishness. We're going to be looking for blonde jokes. Oh. Tomorrow morning. It's the Kevin and Bean Show on K-Rock. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.